everyone. I'm Helena Rosenstein. I'm a senior associate in the employment, pensions and immigration team at Stevens and Bolton. And I'm joined today by Chantal de Philippis, who's an associate in our team. In honour of, uh, well, Menopause Day on the 18th of October, we thought it might be useful to discuss this increasingly high profile and complex issue in the employment context. So Chantal, let's start by understanding exactly what is the menopause? So medically speaking, the menopause is generally considered to have occurred 12 months after the woman's last period. However, there are significant problems that can occur in the transition period leading up to this point. This transition period is known as peromenopause, which means around the menopause, and the symptoms can affect women typically between the ages of 45 and 55, but it can, of course, start much earlier and finish later. And of course, I think we should be clear what we mean by women in this context. Clearly, this issue can affect anyone who has or has had biologically significant levels of estrogen in their body. And so it can obviously affect trans men and women and those who are intersex and non-binary as well, depending on their particular circumstances. Uh, I think for the sake of simplicity, we will refer to women when discussing this issue. But I do want to make clear that this is intended to include everyone who may be suffering from perimenopausal symptoms. And it's not just relating to women whose gender identity matches that which they were assigned at birth. So menopausal symptoms will vary for each individual, but in brief can include hot flushes, brain fog, mood changes, memory problems, disorientation, and even hearing problems. Typically symptoms will last four years, but some symptoms can continue for much longer. And of course there is treatment available to help with symptoms if required, but it's not always appropriate for everyone depending on their medical circumstances. And there are problems on a practical level with the availability and cost of it due to production issues, certainly at the moment. And of course, some women have had to fight to get their symptoms taken seriously, especially where they might be younger than the norm and it could take a long time to get that treatment prescribed or to get to the right dosage. But this is clearly and historically a personal issue. And obviously it can be a frustrating and challenging period for some women, but why is it something that employers need to think about in the workplace? Chantelle, over to you. Well, according to the Faculty of Occupational Medicine, nearly eight out of 10 menopausal women are in work. Not only that, but these women are often, not always of course, in senior positions. And even if they're not, they will certainly have a wealth of experience in their field. And there is research to suggest that around 18% of women look to leave their job because of the menopause and around a third hide or try to hide their symptoms in the workplace, which is quite a staggering figure. Absolutely, Chantal, that is really staggering. And to be honest, quite sad that all that experience can be potentially lost. Um, According to the Faculty of Occupational Medicine, three out of four of those menopausal women will experience symptoms and one in four will experience serious symptoms. So that means inevitably they will struggle mentally and physically to perform at their best. And as a specific example, symptoms such as brain fog and insomnia can have a real detrimental impact on women at work. Practically, it can impact concentration, attention to detail and productivity to a very serious level. So this can lead to the catch-22 situation of causing employers to lose confidence in the employee and the employee to lose confidence in themselves, which can lead to otherwise unmerited performance criticism and time and money spent on disciplinaries and performance improvement plans and recruitment exercises, when in fact some basic awareness and simple adjustments to working conditions could help dramatically. And of course, none of this takes into account the difficulties that all of this might be causing in an employee's home life. 
which will inevitably create anxiety, stress and insecurity, which will also impede an, employ an employee's ability to perform at their best. So overall, the research is showing that the perimenopause can be quite a tumultuous stage for many, though, of course, not for everyone. But what are the employment law risks for employers if they don't take this issue seriously? Well, it won't come as a surprise to anyone listening that employers have obligations to avoid discrimination and harassment in the workplace in accordance with the provisions of the Equality Act. But the fact of being a menopausal or perimenopausal woman is not a protected characteristic as pregnancy is. And that's absolutely right. And unfortunately, despite the recommendation of the Women and Equalities Committee report, which was published on the 28th of July 2022, um, that in fact it should be a protected characteristic, uh, the government's made it clear that they don't intend to change this anytime soon. However, that doesn't mean that employees and, of course, workers don't have scope to bring claims based on existing protected characteristics. So, Chantelle, what kind of claims do you think they could bring if they wanted to? Well, nothing is an exact fit. Probably the most relevant protected characteristics are those of age, disability and sex. However, interestingly, there is some research showing that ethnicity can play a part in the impact of perimenopausal symptoms. And that is not something that many people will be aware of. So as you can see, there are intersections with a number of sections of the Equality Act. That's absolutely correct. There have been a number of judgments, in fact, which confirmed that menopausal symptoms can amount to a disability, that dismissing for poor performance as a result of symptoms can be unfair dismissal and sex discrimination, and belittling someone in public by calling them menopausal and a dinosaur can perhaps unsurprisingly amount to age and sex discrimination. And it's undeniable that there have been a noticeable increase in the number of employment tribunal claims that mention the menopause. A recent survey by the Menopause Experts Group confirmed that there was a 44% increase in such claims last year. This makes it all the more important that employers take the practical and effective steps to ensure that the, those impacted by the menopause are not disadvantaged or treated less favourably because of their symptoms. That is quite an incredible increase, actually. Um, and while there's no specific cause of action under the Equality Act, that shows that there is still a significant risk of a successful claim with uncapped compensation. And it seems to us that a sensible employer will therefore want to mitigate the risk of any discrimination claims as much as possible. Furthermore, employers are under other legal obligations, such as the requirement to review health and safety risks. And so this will also need to be factored in. But of course, as always, there is a balance to be struck and the employer is not obliged to simply give in to all of an employee's requirements. Certain policies can be justified, even if they are on the face of it discriminatory. For example, the case of Soklova involved a claim by a woman who was suffering hot flushes at work and she wanted to undo the top button of her overalls. But the company had a policy that all clothing had to be buttoned all the way up at all times. So obviously she was getting hot and complained about it. Because she worked in a factory, however, the health and safety aspect outweighed the impact on her personally and she lost her claim. So it's not always the case that the employer has to do everything that an employee wants. As always, it's a question of reasonableness and proportionality, and this will always be fact dependent. 
So Chantelle, what should employers be thinking about if they do want to support those members of staff who may be going through this transition and mitigate the risk of play? Well, in recent years, there's been a significant increase in employers offering menopause support, and this is really important. Practically speaking, company-wide training and education helps managers and HR teams to familiarise themselves with the signs and symptoms of menopause and to identify people that may be struggling. Open conversations can assist to break the stigma and encourage staff to be honest about how they're feeling and what they might need in order to carry on working effectively. That's absolutely right. So the report on menopause in the workplace, which was produced by the um, House of Commons Women and Equalities Committee, uh, did include some really good recommendations and support on how to raise awareness within the workplace. Ranges from training for line managers to recognise symptoms and especially in understanding the possible range and severity, because as we said, not everyone will be affected in the same way, um, to creating dedicated support networks or dedicated menopause ambassadors. And it's absolutely worth a read from that perspective. It also suggested that a good menopause policy will include an explanation of what menopause means and common symptoms. It will include confirmation that menopause symptoms will be included in risk assessments, a non-exhaustive list of support and adjustments which may be available, which can be everything from fans to water on tap, um, and details of how to access support that's needed, signposting to other sources of help, and it should cross-reference to other policies, such as the equality and diversity policy, harassment and bullying, and sick leave and so forth. And obviously, it's really important to make sure these policies are well publicised and easily accessible to all employees, not just those who the employer thinks that might be relevant to, um, because that in itself could obviously cause more problems than it solves. Absolutely right. Um, but of course, the debate of whether menopause should be a standalone protective characteristic under the Equality Act will continue to rumble on, I've got no doubt. But in the meantime, recent case law and the public's growing awareness of menopause suggests that employers should educate themselves and their workforce about the impact that menopausal symptoms may have on an employee's conduct, performance and needs and have systems in place to support menopausal employees and to just make it uh, a topic that's easily discussable and is not one that associated with shame and embarrassment. This will give employers the best chance of avoiding tedious and expensive litigation, avoiding the costs of unnecessary absence cover and of recruitment and assist them to maintain a diverse, harmonious and therefore productive workforce. And who doesn't want that? On that note, I would like to thank you all for listening and Chantel for joining me in this discussion and of course should anyone want to discuss it in more detail or would like help with drafting suitable policies then the team here at SMB would be happy to assist.